Hey, my fellow monkeys, what's up? Old Uncle Silverback here with you on the Armed Ape Podcast, the show where we review and talk about everything from guns, gear, and movies to life in general. Nothing is ever out of bounds. As always, everything we talk about has the end goal of making our lives better by cutting through all the marketing BS using logic, reason, and honest discussions. I look forward to hearing from you soon and to your participation in the show. Hey, my monkeys, what is going on? Old Uncle Silverback here with you. Today is Saturday. It's the 13th of February, 2016. On the show today, I'm going to talk about two movies, and I guess we could classify both of them Westers. They have, in some ways, a very uh, similar feel and kind of similar styles, and in some ways, they're they're also very different. Uh, But before we do that, let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to contact the show, I have the voicemail which is 206-745-2731. I also have an email address, which is thearmedape at gmail.com. So if you'd like to record your own audio and send that in, I'll play it for you. Or if you just want to send in an email, I'll go ahead and read that out for you as well. I do have over on the website buttons for Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I also have an Amazon search box and a PayPal donation button if you feel so inclined. All right, enough of that stuff. I had mentioned that I would be talking about two different movies. The first one uh, is going to be Bone Tomahawk, and that was released in 2015. And the second one is The Revenant, which I guess was also released in 2015. Now, like I said before, to me, the movies have a very similar feel. And in a lot of ways, they they are you kind of have a familiarity with both of them. But in a lot of ways, they're they're quite different. And I think what I'll do is maybe I'll talk about Bone Tomahawk first, and then I'll talk about The Revenant. And I'll sort of do maybe some compare and contrast uh, after I've sort of talked about both movies. And I think as far as spoilers go, like how I usually do when I when I do movie reviews, is what I'll do is I'll talk about the movie up to a certain point, and then I'll stop. And then when I do a spoiler, I'll play the, the uh, outgoing music, and then I'll come back, and that way if you don't want any spoilers, you can stop listening then. If you don't care about it or you want to uh, hear sort of a little bit more detail about the movies and how it actually ends, then go ahead and stick with me, and then we'll be in, in uh, deep into spoiler territory. So when I talked about uh, some of the similarities. Both movies are over two hours long. Bone Tomahawk is, I think, two hours and 12 minutes. And I want to say The Revenant is something like two hours and 35 minutes or something like that, right around there. I saw The Revenant in the theater. I saw that just a couple of days ago. And I saw Bone Tomahawk through Netflix. But I get the discs as well as the streaming So I got the actual DVD and saw that here. So I do have some clips from Bone Tomahawk that I'll be playing here in a little bit. When you look at the time periods of when these movies are made, 
Technically, I guess you could call them both a Western, although I think it's maybe a little bit of a stretch to call The Revenant a Western. The Revenant takes place in the early 1800s, so maybe the 18-teens to the 1820s, something about like that. And Bone Tomahawk takes place at the end, the very end of the 1800s. So it takes place probably in the late 1890s or so. You could probably stretch it a little bit, and you can maybe say it takes place in like 1901 or 02, something like that. But I, I think it probably takes place right around in that, just the end of the 1800s. So anyway, so they're sort of in the same century, but you have, uh, you know, probably anywhere from 70 to 80 years separating these two stories. So the weapons are different. I guess we could say again that the, the, um, the technology is different that the, that the characters go, the, the, uh, the way that you can communicate things like that are different. But a lot of things are similar. You're still having the main mode of transportation as horses uh, or walking is going to be how you're going to get around. So anyway, let's let's kind of diverge off and let's talk about Bone Tomahawk. So in Bone Tomahawk, you have it's a lower budget movie. And I think the actual budget of it was one point eight million dollars. And this is what I'm getting from IMDb. So by today's standards, it's a very low budget movie. You can tell where they spent their money was on, uh, I guess you'd call it maybe set design and, and costuming and trying to make sure that you, uh, that you get the, a real feel for that time period. And the movie, uh, it's, it's got, uh, Kurt Russell who plays, uh, Sheriff Franklin Hunt. There is Patrick Wilson who plays Arthur O'Dwyer. There's Matthew Fox, and he plays John Bruder. Richard Jenkins uh, plays the backup deputy, excuse me, named Chicory. And then Lily, I think her name is Simmons, plays Samantha O'Dwyer, who is the wife of Arthur O'Dwyer. I will go ahead and slip in the trailer here for Bone Tomahawk, and then I'll, I'll jump right back in. Bracing. It's gonna penetrate. Good evening. Civilized towns. You look a man direct in the face when you talk to him. This isn't comfortable. Well, it's not supposed to be. Here's a uh, situation. Serious. Mrs. O'Dwyer was abducted. She is my everything, and those savages have got her. God knows what they're doing to her, and every second that we delay. You know who did this? I don't have a name. How many of them do you think there are? It won't matter. You have no chance against any number of them. I'm, I'm coming with you. No, no, I need you here. And this is what a backup's for, to help an emergency, not stay back. I'm coming. We're making a five-day journey in three days, riding along and sleeping the bare minimum. I don't know what's west of here. No cattle trail or anything else goes in that direction. If our horses die before we get there, or we go into hostile territory, weak and foggy with exhaustion, we won't rescue anybody. Don't be scared. I am a friend. You aren't. Damn you! 
You had no cause. If you want to question my morals, do it later. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive. So from the trailer, we you get sort of the gist of the story. And what happens is the uh, there, there's a certain tribe of Indians that have come in and they have they come into town and they took Arthur O'Dwyer's wife and they took one of the uh, deputies that was at the um, at the jail. And they also ended up taking, a character, I think his name is Purvis, played by David Arquette. So before we get too far into that, uh, we, we know that they're going to go on a rescue mission to try and, and recover these people. So when the movie opens, you have uh, Sid Haig, who a lot of you guys if are familiar with horror movies or maybe a lot of the exploitation stuff from the 70s will recognize him. Uh, and you have David Arquette. They are, I guess you, for lack of a better term, we'd call them bandits or, or robbers. They're both murderous pieces of crap. So uh, anyway, they, they, the, the movie opens up and they're basically killing these dudes at a camp and they're robbing them. And then they, uh, one guy takes a shot at them uh, during the robbery and, David Arquette is saying, uh, or Purvis, I guess we'll just call him by his character name. Purvis is saying, hey, I think I hear horses coming in, so they're going to try and go and hide out into the hills a little bit. They end up going across a Indian burial ground where they are attacked. And then about, oh, I think it says 11 days later or something, Purvis, which is David Arquette, winds up in the town of Bright Hope, which where... Kurt Russell is the sheriff, and this is where everybody lives. This is the town that they go to. They end up, uh, the backup deputy who is uh, Richard Jenkins, and his character's name is Chicory. Chicory comes and tells the sheriff, hey, man, I saw this guy, and he was acting kind of weird, and I saw him outside of town, and he was burying uh, some stuff, and then he, he's over at the saloon now. So the, so the sheriff uh, sheriff Hunt goes over, to talk to this guy, see what he's about. He ends up having to shoot him in the leg. And they go over to Arthur O'Dwyer's house. Uh, he is a, I guess you would call him a, like a foreman for a cattle drive or maybe for a big ranch or something that's out there. We don't, we're not, I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, but he's got a busted leg, a busted right leg, and it's in the process of healing. So he can kind of get around, but pretty much he's off his feet. 
the regular doctor that they were going to go get is too drunk to help this guy that the sheriff shot in the leg. And so they get, they go to the O'Dwyer's because she's a nurse uh, or an assistant to the doctor or whatever. So she goes over to the jail. What happens at that point is she, you know, operates on the guy, operates on David Arquette, who's Purvis, gets the bullet out. She's saying, well, I'm going to need to stay here overnight. Uh, The sheriff tells one of the deputies, you're going to stay here with Mrs. O'Dwyer and the prisoner, and uh, we'll be back in the morning and relieve you because she wants to stay overnight. And obviously, you know, she can't stay by herself, blah, blah, blah. So during the night, what happens is, well, let me let me back up here a little bit. Uh, at at this point in the movie, we're all we're we're also introduced to Matthew Fox's character, who is a, na- a guy named John Bruder, and th- these guys are pretty much that, I, that I've talked about now are going to be sort of the main people that we're going to be with through the movie. So we've got about five kind of main main characters. Uh, there are lots of other characters in the movie, but these are going to be sort of the main five. And really, it's um, it's going to be centered on kind of the four characters of the sheriff, Arthur O'Dwyer, John Bruder, and Chickory, so the, the deputy. So anyway, what happens is the next morning rolls around. The saloon owner comes to the sheriff and says, hey, I went to to look for the stable boy and I found him dead and the horses are gone and they go over to the they go over to the jail they see that the jail is empty Mrs. O'Dwyer is gone the deputy's gone and and Purvis is gone David Arquette's character is gone they find like an, an arrow at at the jail and so they correctly surmise oh Indians must have take, come in and taken them for whatever reason. We know, probably as the audience, that because we we see from earlier when Sid Hegg's character takes an arrow and he pulls it out, it's the same type of arrow that they find at the jail. So we know, oh, okay, when they were going to hide up in the hills, they went through an Indian burial ground, and so they've kind of transgressed on something that that, that group sees as sacred and so they're going in there to uh basically to get uh purvis to get david arquette's character so anyway when the next morning rolls around they all meet up at the saloon and they're they're trying to figure out what's going on and then kurt russell is basically saying well i'll go ahead and and, uh i'll well, I mean, I've got a few clips. I don't know what I'm gonna what I'm gonna play and what I'm not gonna play at this at this point. But uh, basically, they're at the saloon, and Kurt Russell says, "Hey, uh, I have to go because I'm the sheriff, and Mr. O'Dwyer has to go because he has to get his wife. So the two of us are gonna ride out, and we're gonna go try and find these people." Now, the way that they know sort of how who they need to go after and where they need to go is there's a, a Indian guy who they call the professor. They show him the arrow, and he said, oh, there's this tribe of basically uh, cannibal people that we don't ever have anything to do with, and we don't go into their land because they're too violent and brutal and this, that, and the other stuff. And this is kind of where it is. We, I, we sort of know it's around here somewhere in this area. And he's kind of showing them on a map. 
he, of course, at that time, the professor guy lets him know these are cannibals. And they, if they took, if they took the, whoever they took, they're basically eventually going to eat them. So, uh, eventually we get basically four men that are going to ride out. We get Kurt Russell, we get the sheriff, we get the deputy, we get Matthew Fox's character, who's John Bruder, and he feels a little responsible. Uh, he also had kind of a, a, a romantic feelings toward Mrs. O, Mrs. O'Dwyer. So Bruder, who's Matthew Fox, wants to go and be a part of the rescue mission. So at this point, I think is where I'm I'm going to stop maybe with talking about the movie because the, the rest of the movie, and this is maybe, it, it takes about 40 minutes or so to get here before they kind of ride out. And the rest of the movie is sort of, it's more about kind of the the journey as opposed to the destination. And now there, there is some stuff that goes down uh, once they get to the destination, once they get to, to this tribe's land. And, uh, you know, who gets there and who survives, we'll, we'll save until we get into the spoiler stuff and how it ends. But I, I, I tell you what, I really liked this movie. It was definitely a, a slow burn. It takes them a long time. And again, it doesn't, to me, it didn't seem like it was a long time. It didn't seem like it dragged. Uh, I, although there's not tons and tons of action, and there is a fair, a fair amount of dialogue. I like the dialogue. I like the style uh, and the, the way that they speak. They don't have a lot of slang like we have uh, in, in what we would, I guess, call modern English. Uh, so the way that they speak is is good. And like I think I mentioned before that I, you know, I, I thought that the majority of their money went towards uh, set design and also towards costume design. I really like how everybody is, is dressed and I like the scenes that they gave them. Another interesting thing is, is I, they, they don't really have a musical score, which again gives you a very, very different a very different feel to the movie. There's there's been other movies where uh, sometimes they'll do things a little different with a score where they will the score is maybe the the ambient stuff. So you would hear music only if that would be something that you would hear as part of the movie. So as as if the character would hear it or if the character would hear the music in the background then you would hear it that type of thing. But I really I really like the movie bone tomahawk it's it's not i probably it's not for everyone like i said it is a slow burn but i i really enjoyed it i thought it was very well worthwhile i would say to go ahead and check that out Track a new course back up online. Then what we gonna do? Sit out there like a bunch of goddamn ducks. You and your half-breed son get to walk on out. I'm talking to you. 
proper thing to do would be to finish him off quick. He's to be cared for as long as necessary. I understand. Get away! Help! What happened? We did what we had to do. He was buried right. Alright, so now what we'll do is let's switch over and let's talk a little bit about The Revenant. Like I had said earlier, this takes place, and I would consider this more of like a frontier movie and also sort of, in a way, like a, a man-against-nature movie. What what The Revenant is about is Leonardo DiCaprio is a scout and kind of a guide for a, a, uh, a fur-trapping company. And they have a main camp and then what they do is you have this guy who's I don't know if he's they call him the captain and I don't know if that's if he's a if it's a military title or if it's just sort of uh, the the company calls them him that or or whatever it is but anyway they're out trapping uh getting beaver pelts and things like that and they've gone away from their camp it's winter time Leo DiCaprio is the guy who knows this area, who's been out here for, you know, for quite a number of years. And he's also got a son whose name is Hawk. And the actor that plays him is a guy named Forrest Goodluck. And I've never seen him in anything uh, other than this. Uh, With the exception of probably DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, Dom Hall, Gleason, and you would know him. He, he was from. Uh, he's actually been in quite a lot of stuff. He was in uh, Star Wars. He's the general. I forget his name. General Hogue or something like that. Uh, he's also in Black Mirror. He's in an episode of that. He's been in a, a a few other things. And right off the top of my head, I can't. I can't really remember what he's been in. Um, oh, uh, I remember he was in uh, Ex Machina which is another really good movie. And he's been he's been in quite a a bunch of stuff. So he's a guy I think that sort of is uh his star is going to be on the rise. It looks like he may be in like the new Harry Potter m- movie or something or maybe he was in maybe he was in a Harry Potter movie. I think that's what it was. And I don't know if he what he played, but I think he was in that. It looks like he's he's got some stuff in in uh post-production and he's filming some stuff for star Wars episode eight. Uh, but anyway, I like him as an actor, his part that he played in, um, 
in The Force Awakens, eh, I thought he was a little bit over the top. And especially having seen him in other things and uh, and seen what his role is in The Revenant, I, I really liked his role in that. I thought he he had a sense of, uh, sometimes I'll call it gravi- gravitas or something like that, but he had, in, in this role in The Revenant, you you had a sense of um, him as a guy who was in charge of things, if, if that makes sense. Uh, and some of the other things I've seen him in his roles, maybe he's not as sure as himself or he's, you know, they're a little bit differently. But in this role, you could tell that while he wasn't, you know, an iron hard commander of these men, he was definitely in charge of it and he, he carried himself that way. So anyway, the story is, is they're, they've gone out to get furs and they're going to bring them back and they've got a boat. And if you've seen the trailer at all, you see that they're, they are attacked and this happens very early on in the movie and they get away. They end up having to leave a lot of their stuff and the the Indians that attack them are, I think the chief's daughter has been taken by somebody. And so they're out trying to find them. And when they come across these guys, they're just like, well, you know, hey, stuff's for the taking. We'll just go ahead and grab it. And um, so anyway, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, his name is Hugh Glass. Like I said, he's got a son named Hawk who is uh, half Pawnee and then half, I guess, American is what Leo is. And kind of the main guys that we're going to be with in the movie is, is going to be Leo DiCaprio. We've got Tom Hardy, which uh, plays a guy named John Fitzgerald, who's another one of these kind of frontiersmen. Uh, and he is definitely kind of the villain and kind of an unlikable character, and he's supposed to be. You have, like I said, uh, Domino Gleason, who plays Captain Andrew Henry. You have another guy, Will... Holter, who I guess has been in uh, quite a bit of stuff, but nothing really I've seen. He's a younger guy. I think he's in his 20s. He's been in, oh, I'm looking at his page here. He's been in quite a few things, but not a lot of it I've actually seen. I guess he was in uh, Son of Rambo, whatever that is, back in 2007. And he's got several other stuff. But he was in The Maze Runner, which I never saw. He was in Code Black, which I guess is a TV series. Upcoming, he's, it looks like he's going to be in It and War Machine and another thing, Kids in Love. So I don't, I, I'm not familiar with what those are. But anyway, uh, he held his own. I thought he was a pretty good actor. Everybody in this uh, did a really good uh, job. I'd mentioned before that in Bone Tomahawk that the, the budget was $1.8 million. On this one, the budget was $135 million. And you can definitely, you can definitely tell the minute details that they have in the Revenant from the weapons, from the clothes, from everything that they're, they're doing, the, the camps that they go to, the, when they're at the main fort, the cinematography is, is breathtakingly beautiful. Uh, so anyway, let's get back to kind of the, the main story is they're out there doing the trapping. They get attacked by this these uh, uh, a tribe of guys, and I don't know what tribe they are. I don't know if it says if they're Pawnee, if, if what they are. I think they may be. I don't know. They kind of make their getaway. They end up having to, to leave a lot of stuff, and as they're making their getaway, they have to ditch the boat. They stash their pelt somewhere. They're going to come back for them later. 
and then they're going to try and make their way to the camp. So DiCaprio is saying, all right, well, we're going to go do this way. We're going to go around here and do this. And then Fitzgerald is always kind of, you know, running his mouth saying, well, we shouldn't do this. We should do that and blah, 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 and sort of challenging everything. We also get a lot of flashbacks of DiCaprio's sort of early life when his son is a little boy, maybe three, four years old. His son now is probably 15, 16, maybe 17. Uh, I guess he's probably 16 or 17, maybe right around in there. I'm, I'm bad sometimes with ages. And sometimes, you know, in the movie, they'll, they have to cast a little bit older to get somebody who can actually do the performance. So I don't know if in the story, if his son is supposed to be 14 or 15, but the actor is actually, you know, a little bit older. So again, I'm not, I'm not sure. The guy that plays his son is, I believe, probably about 18 years old. Uh, I thought he did a good job in the movie. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of other credits, but uh, he would be one maybe that he, I, I could see him doing some stuff a little bit later on. So anyway, they're going to try and walk back to, back to the fort and they're going to take some of the pelts with them. They're not going to, uh, you know, kind of what they can carry with them, which is way less than what they've actually got. As Leo was out in front, he's going out to kind of blaze the trail for him. And he gets attacked by a bear. Now, all this stuff we sort of know in the kind of from the trailer and things like that. So it's not too spoilerific. And then what happens is anyway, he's attacked. He's mauled pretty badly. And some of the guys in in the company are saying like, well, we're being sort of chased by Indians. This guy is our guide. He's the guy who really knows how to get us back. We kind of need him. So they patch up his wounds. And they're taking him with them. And then it gets to a point to where the land becomes so rough that they can't physically carry him on the stretcher. And they're saying, and then, the, and then uh, Captain Henry says, all right, well, somebody's got to stay back with this guy. If he, if he dies, he's probably going to die in the next couple of days. And so what, what ends up happening is the captain offers, he said, I'll offer an extra $200 or something or $100 for each man that will stay back. Hawk is going to stay with him because that's his father. And then Bridger volunteers. And Bridger's a young guy too. He's probably supposed to be the same age as Hawk. So again, he's probably supposed to be like 16, 17 years old, you know, tops. Uh, And then Fitzgerald, Tom Hardy's character, says he'll stay back with him and basically that he'll do it for the money. Because he's he feels that he's not going to get that they that they've lost those pelts and they've lost a lot of other stuff and so he's like well I got to make money somehow, so he agrees to stay back. Bridger says I'll give him my share if he'll stay that type of thing and so also during this time, the whole time Fitzgerald has been saying this guy is going to die basically cap. Uh, you know, Hugh Glass is going to die, DiCaprio's character. We might as well just put him out of his misery. It's not right to just sort of drag him around and make him suffer. He's not really doing that for any humanitarian stuff. He's just doing that because he wants to be able to get back to the fort as quick as possible. So at this point, Leo is pretty much comatose almost. I mean, he can kind of look around, but he can't really talk. He's been so badly mauled by the bear. They're camping Bridger is off like fishing or something or, or, or trying to scout around for some food. Hawk is off sort of doing the same thing. So it's just Fitzgerald and Glass. So it's just Tom Hardy and Leo DiCaprio. 
that are in the camp. And of course, DiCaprio is just on a thing. During this time, Fitzgerald has been digging a grave, a shallow grave for him. What he tells DiCaprio, he comes up and he's talking to him and he's like saying, look, you know, you're, we both know you're not going to make it. Why don't you just let me end your suffering for you? Everybody will think you just passed away. Nobody, it won't be a big deal. Nobody will know that you gave up. All you got to do is blink. And then so DiCaprio is like trying to say no, but he can't because he can't really talk. And then he's trying to keep his eyes open, trying to keep his eyes open. He's like, no. And so you can tell that he doesn't want Fitzgerald to kill him. That he's saying like, well, you know, kind of if he's going to go out, he'll go out sort of on his own terms. Fitzgerald just keeps saying, all you got to do is blink. All you got to do is blink. And then, you know, eventually he's going to blink. It's not like he said blink like three times or close your eyes and keep them closed and then open them up and then do it again. He says it in such a way to where he can justify what he's going to do. And eventually DiCaprio just can't keep his eyes open anymore and he kind of closes them tight and then he opens them and then Tom Hardy says, okay, uh, that's your sign. And then he starts to to kill DiCaprio. He starts, he's, he shoves a rag in his mouth and he's going to basically suffocate him. At that point, DiCaprio's son, Hawk, comes back and he tries to get Tom Hardy off of him. But you have to remember, you know, guys like DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, they're, they're full-grown men and these are like hardened mountain men. So these guys are just strong as shit and tough as shit. And even though you know, Hawk and Bridger are about the same age. And even though they would be probably considered pretty tough and pretty strong by today's standards, they're nowhere near as strong as somebody like, uh, like Glass or Fitzgerald is going to be. So of course the fight, uh, he, he pulls off, he kind of throws Hawk off of him. And then he says, you know, you don't know what's going on. He wanted me to do this. And then, um, the whole time Hawk is yelling for Bridger to come back, but Bridger's far off down to the stream getting water or something for the camp and he can't hear Fitzgerald ends up stabbing and killing Hawk, which again, we have seen in the trailer. So none of this is really that deep into spoiler territory. At this point, Bridger is still gone. He ends up killing Fitzgerald ends up killing Hawk, killing uh, Glass's son. He drags him off and hides the body and then he's getting ready to go ahead and kill uh, DiCaprio to kill Glass when Bridger comes back. And then he's like, what's going on? And where's Hawk? And he's like, wasn't he with you? And he's like, no, and all this other stuff. So I think later that day or the next morning, Fitzgerald comes running back in and says, and says to Bridger, hey, I saw about 20 Indians down the way and they're going to be coming up here we got to get out of here. And then he doesn't want to leave DiCaprio. He's like, we can't leave him. We, we can't, we, we, we can hide. And he's like, no, if, if we're all going to die, look, he's dead anyway. We stayed here two or three days. And then, and then Bridger's like, well, what about Hawk? And he's like, I don't know where he is. They may have got him. We got to get out of here. We got to leave. We got to save our own lives. We, you know, we, we're all going to die unless we leave. And of course, this is something that Bridger would believe because they've been constantly attacked uh, by by this other tribe or this war party, I guess I should say. So what he does is he leaves him his canteen and, and uh, Fitzgerald drags Hawk or not Hawk, excuse me. Fitzgerald drags glass. Who's Leo DiCaprio over to that shallow grave, kind of throws him in there and covers him up with a little bit of dirt. 
And he's like, there, I gave him his proper burial. And, and, uh, cause that's what the captain had told him to do. Captain Henry had said, look, you got to stay with this guy. And if he dies, then you got to give him a proper burial. And then you can catch up to us back at the fort. You see that in Fitzgerald's character, he does just enough to where he can say, he can always sort of justify his actions. And at this point, like I said, they, Fitzgerald convinces Bridger that they got to go. Bridger leaves his canteen and on his canteen, he had done sort of like a circular design, like a spiral design. And so Bridger leaves him the canteen kind of, I guess, with the hope of if that maybe if the Indians pass by and they don't see him, he at least has a chance to maybe survive if I've I've left him some water. So at this point, it becomes sort of the journey of Leo DiCaprio kind of fighting against his injuries and fighting against nature to get back to get revenge on Fitzgerald. And that's pretty much where I'll leave you guys here with uh, The Revenant as well. And again, most of this stuff you would have seen in the trailer. So this kind of gets you up to the point where you would be in the trailer. So I'll go ahead and, uh, oh, before I do that, I would definitely recommend you see this movie. Again, it's a long movie. There is much more action stuff that goes on, that, so so you don't get that long, slow burn. You do get things kind of broken up. Um, the cinematography of this thing is, is gorgeous. It's beautiful. I don't know if they filmed it up in Canada or maybe in uh, parts of the Rocky Mountains in the States. I'm not exactly sure where they filmed it, but it is it is breathtakingly beautiful. And you really do get the sense of, oh, this would have been very similar to how it would have looked back then. So I would definitely recommend this movie. Now, if you can, I'd say go see it on the big screen to be able to kind of get that, you know, the gigantic vista of it and to experience on the big screen. But, you know, I don't know. Most people nowadays... Most of our TVs at home are big. I, we don't have a, a great big giant flat screen. We've got a regular flat screen, but it's like 47. But my uh, my cousin has one. I think it's like 70 inches. or oh, Was it was it 70? Yeah, I think it's 70 inches. And that really, that is like being in a movie theater. And eventually, I think when our, when our TV kind of gives up the ghost, I don't know if we'll go that big, but we'll get one that would be kind of like appropriate for the space. But... In that one, when we're over there for family events and stuff, and for watching, for watching like the game, or for watching a, a movie or a show that's on, it's it's really like being in the movie. So, uh, but anyway, I would say if you can see it before it gets out of the theaters, or if you're listening to this and it's a few months later, uh, go ahead and pick it up on DVD uh, and uh, and give it a watch. I think I think you'll enjoy it. All right, that's going to do it for the first part of the show. Remember, after the after the outgoing music, I'm going to come back and I'll talk about some spoilers and we'll kind of get with some of the ending and stuff like that. So, all right, my friends, I will talk to you next time. We are back, and now we are going to go deep into spoiler territory for both of these movies. So, like we did with uh, in the first part, we'll talk about Bow and Tomahawk first, and then we will uh, jump into The Revenant. So, in Bow and Tomahawk, what we, what we get is, after they are, are heading out, there is a lot of attention paid to O'Dwyer's leg. And remember, it's his wife that has been taken, and he's got sort of the busted up leg. 
they're on horses at this point. They are they set up camp at night, and then Matthew Fox's character, Bruder, has a, a rope with bells tied around it, and he puts it around the outskirts of the camp, and what he says is, hey, if anybody shows up uh, and they trip the bells, just shoot at the sound where you hear it coming from because it's either going to be it's going to be an animal, which is going to be a predator, which is going to come in like wolves or coyotes that are going to come in and try and get us, or it's going to be thieves or bandits, or it's going to be Indians, which is basically anybody who comes in and doesn't announce themselves are going to be enemies or are going to be people that are looking to do, that are, are out for no good, that are going to be looking to do us harm. There, and this was kind of from the trailer as well, but there was a, a thing in the trailer where they, where Bruder shoots down these guys. He shoots them and, and uh, Kurt Russell or the Sheriff Franklin, uh, Franklin Hunt is yelling at him like, you know, why'd you do that? You didn't have any cause. And then he's like, look, these guys are part of their advanced scouts on a raiding party and we need to move our camp and, uh, and get to a safer area. And we need to have a cold camp, meaning they're not going to have a fire. So they move to another area. Another guy comes in who, who we think is probably a part of the guys that they killed. They come and they take the horses. They end up uh, stabbing Bruder, but I think it's, it's, it's a relatively shallow wound and they ended up fighting off that guy, but they get away with the horses and, uh, he, and then Bruder is saying, well, and and like I said, I'll, I'll drop in some, um, some clips here in a little bit. Uh, but Bruder saying, I don't understand why they would have gotten my horse. He wouldn't have, uh, you know, she wouldn't have let somebody else get on his back on her back and, Turns out they ended up, they had to kill that horse or something because the horse wouldn't come and, or they, they hobbled or they crippled it or something. Anyway, he had to go out there and he shot the horse, shot his own horse. Uh, so now they're on foot. Well, of course, O'Dwyer is on crutches. He's just hobbling along. He can barely get along. And so what they, what they tell O'Dwyer is you go on ahead because this is at nighttime. You go on ahead and we'll catch up to you. And they're changing their strategy a little bit where, what they're going to do is they're going to sleep at they're going to sleep during the day. They're going to make short camp sleep for two or three hours, and then they're going to keep going out and try and find this. Uh, I guess you'd call it like a small tribe, of uh, the cannibal tribe. At this point, there's there's kind of a lot of stuff that happens and kind of not, because it's more about their journey of getting from point A to point B uh, up until we get toward the end of the movie. So. Basically, it's it's a lot about the struggle of O'Dwyer, and it kind of cuts. In. At this point, they, they you basically have two parties. You have O'Dwyer, who's pretty much by himself when he's walking around and what he's doing, and then you have uh, Bruder, Chicory, and Sheriff Hunt, and they're going. You know, they're they're obviously going at different paces and things like that. Eventually, the three the three men the three able-bodied men, so the sheriff, the deputy, and, and uh, Bruder, get to where they where the Indians are. They're going to go in there, and this is where the, it kind of takes a little bit of a departure from typical Western into mm, almost like a supernatural horror-type thing. It, it gets into... Uh, it, it takes a definitely a different turn, and what happens is is that, and I'm not I won't do st- stuff so 
much chronologically, but we'll jump around a little bit so that stuff makes a little bit sense, more sense. This tribe has been, I guess, so apart from others for hundreds of years that they've kind of, they've started to mutate a little bit and they're almost like a different species. So there's, they're humanoid, but they're different. They don't really talk. They have like this kind of a, like a bone whistle type thing that's, that's protrudes from their necks. I don't know if it's something that they implant in them when they're young or if it's something that they've, that has just grown out over the hundreds of years. They also have like tusks. Some of them do that aren't, that at first I thought was just ornamental, but it's actually, it, it is growing out of these guys. And we find out that there's only about maybe 12, 15 or so of them. And anyway, as these guys get near, as uh, the three men get near, they're attacked and they take some arrows. Bruder, who you think maybe you wonder, you you think some of the stuff that he said earlier in the movie, you kind of wonder, oh, is he boasting about stuff? But you you see, oh, no, he's, you know, he's a uh, he's definitely a fighter. He's definitely kind of a. I hesitate to use the word badass, but he's he's a dangerous man and he's he's not just all talk. He's you know, he talks the talk, but he also walks the walk. And as they're approaching, they get attacked. And it, it one of the things I liked about the movie is it seems like these the 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 Indians just sort of appear out of nowhere. But what they do is they're they're kind of camouflage. They have natural camouflage, so they really blend in. They have their their bodies are covered with dirt and mud, and so even when they're coming up, you don't really see them. It's a kind of a neat optical illusion. But anyway, they get close to him. They end up like kind of chopping off his hand because he's out sort of up above. He had gone up a little bit ahead to try and find some stuff. They they come in. He ends up getting one of them before he is killed. Chicory and Sheriff Hunt are going up further. They get attacked. They're eventually brought into sort of the lair. Uh, These guys live up on top, uh, kind of up on top of a hill, uh, back into a cave. Uh, They get, they're captured. They're brought in. They're put into, when we get into this cave, there's this big open area and there's basically two cages what you have is you have Mrs. O'Dwyer, you have the deputy are in one cage and on the other side of the room, that's where they've stuck Sheriff Hunt and Chicory. At this point in the story, we find out that the prisoner Purvis, who was played by David Arquette, had told them, oh, you know, we were these basically scumbag robbers and the reason these people came is because we, we transgressed through their thing and they killed Buddy uh, my partner, and then I was able to elude them or something and get to the town, and then that's why they came in to basically get me, and then they just took the deputy and Mrs. O'Dwyer just as sort of, uh, it was kind of fortuitous for them that they they were, you know, they were just sort of there, wrong place, wrong time. They didn't have anything against them personally. And because they're cannibals, they're going to take them for uh, for food. At this point, we're, we're nearing the end of the movie and this is where some of just some uh, hardcore like brutality and stuff takes place. They yank the deputy out, they yank all his clothes off and then they end up scalping him and then they turn him upside down. So they've got him, they're holding him up by his feet and they take like this big like horse jaw, like almost like a fossilized horse jaw. And they just they just chop him right between the legs, and then they basically just chop him in half and rip him into, into two pieces. 
they're trying to figure out like, well, what can we do? How can we make our escape? And then they, they have some opium and that's been put into a whiskey flask and they trick a couple of them into drinking it. One of them kind of passes out. One of them dies, but they figure out that the, the Indians figure out that Kurt Russell and them have, have basically poisoned him. So they're going to bring him out. They pull him out. They knock him in the head. He's kind of semi unconscious earlier before they had taken and thrown the flask because they figured out it was poison and thrown it in the fire. So they come to Kurt Russell, they cut him, cut his stomach open and they shove the flask inside his stomach. We also, I, I don't know if, if Mrs. O'Dwyer had been sexually assaulted by the guys, I think they had probably had raped her. I don't, it, it wasn't clear, but from maybe some of the ways that she was asking, acting and sort of how her clothes were, it looks like maybe that they had, I don't know. They don't really ever talk about it or say anything. So I don't know if they are going to maybe eat her or maybe keep her to like be breeding stock for the, for their tribe. There are a couple of women that are, it looks like they don't have any legs and they had like these bones growing out where their eyes would be. So I don't know if they were blinded or if they were just like that. I, I, it was again, kind of bizarre at this point though, they've, they figured, um, they've, they've, uh, Mrs. O'Dwyer has told the sheriff hunt and chicory that, Oh, there's probably about 12 of them. And so they're like saying, okay, well, we've killed probably like four or five of them. So there's probably about seven of them left. And then when Arthur O'Dwyer is coming up because he's, he's, they've been leaving stones for him. They put like four stones in the direction that they're going. So he's been coming up, knows where they are. He finds out where they are. He goes up and as he's coming, he kills, I think two or three more. So there's maybe only about at this point, maybe five left. He eventually makes his way in there. They're getting ready to maybe uh, kill Kurt Russell's or, or kill Sheriff Hunt. And that's when O'Dwyer comes in and he, he uh, ends up shooting and killing, I want to say, the rest of them. There, there's a battle where anyway, they eventually are going to be able to get out. They eventually make their way out. Kurt Russell stays behind and there, I think there's three left. So I think O'Dwyer maybe killed a couple and then there's maybe three other men that are left. And then it cuts down to where Kurt Russell is basically, he's not going to make it. His wounds are too great. He's been, uh, he's been shot. He's been, you know, stabbed and cut open and all this other stuff. And they leave him with a repeating rifle, uh, with a lever action and he basically says, well, when they come in here to get me, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll finish them off. And then you cut to a scene to where they're, you have Chickory, Mrs. O'Dwyer and Mr. O'Dwyer are, are walking out and you hear like three rifle shots, you know, like bang and then a bang and then a bang. So they, as far as they know, there's probably not enough people left to come after them because they think that Kurt Russell got them. And uh, that's pretty much how the the movie ends. They're, they're going to make their way back to Bright Hope. So again, I would highly recommend that you see the movie. Even sort of knowing it, it's you get most of the enjoyment out of out of watching it. So I think what I'll do here is I'll drop in some clips, and they're kind of self explanatory. A lot of them is just stuff when they're talking. The first, uh, and I'm not exactly sure what order I'll go in, but. Uh, it, 
one of them is going to be where they're where you you hear um, Bruder talking about how he's killed a bunch of Indians. Another one is you hear about um, when when they're walking, sort of what Bruder's motivation was, why he hates Indians so much. Uh, another one is going to be just kind of talk between. This was one of my favorite scenes. It was talk between. Chicory and Sheriff Hunt about uh, Chicory trying to figure out how to read a book in the bathtub. So I'll play those things in succession and then we'll come back and we'll talk and finish up with uh, Revenant. Do you hear that? This is a gust. That's a real musical gust. And? It's ominous. This is not the time for womanly imaginings. Go. Well, what's that? A wolf? Uh, bear, looks like. Is this some kind of sign? Keep out or something? We got permission. Was that us? Someone's in the other direction. Well, it's here now. Get. That's where we're going. Straight through this place and deeper in. Maybe we shouldn't be going someplace that looks like a burial ground. Not to a bunch of godless savages. Ain't no concern of a civilized man. Jail on fire safe for a place like this. It's better than sitting in that damn gulch. Riders coming in from one way and, and savages the other. You wanna go back there? Go. It's a gust that it learned an instrument. Listen, Claire, we are coming through here, like it or not. Get packed to meet you in front of the jail in 15 minutes. As will I. I'm the one who fetched your wife. Got her involved. Got a responsibility to you both. And I've killed more Indians than everyone here put together. Well, it's an ugly boast. It isn't a boast. But a fact. So... How many of them did you kill? Not enough. Oh, yeah. They were all, what do you call them? Warriors and braves. Mostly. Well, some weren't braves. Some weren't men. 
Oh. An Indian woman is still an Indian. She knows how to use a bow and a spear, and so do her children. Why do you hate him so much? You should ask my mother and my sisters. Never met him. That's correct. Never did. Indians got him, huh? I'm alone, old man. Thing like that makes a considerable impression upon a ten-year-old boy. I'm awful sorry for what happened to him, but... Um, well, I don't think I could ever kill a woman. Or a child. Not even a female. Is it possible for you to close that aperture? Or any of you somnambulists? That's private. Me and sleepwalk. Oh. No, I don't. Uh, me neither. No. Good. Sleep with your guns nearby. And you shoot anything that rings a bell. Could be an innocent animal. Somebody lost. Our horses are hobbled. <laughs> any animal that comes at us is a predator. Any person that approaches a camp in the dark without identifying themselves is a criminal or a savage. You hear it jingle, point your gun and shoot. I'll probably beat you to the draw, but don't count on me to save you. Let it go. I can't. Hey. Hey! Will you watch how you speak to the law? Sheriff, especially. You aren't captain. No. I'm the most intelligent man here, and I intend to keep us alive. Oh, you're the most intelligent man here. Is that a fact? It is. Sheriff Hunt has a wife. So does Mr. O'Dwyer. And you're a widower. Yeah. What has that got to do with anything? Smart men don't get married. Well... That's because no woman wants you. Many women invite me over for dessert. <laughs> Eleven in Brighthope. John, it's enough of that kind of talk. All right, cowboy. Can, can you read a book in the bath? Understand what you're asking. <clears throat> well, what I'm asking is, can you sit in a bathtub full of hot water and read a book? I never tried. Well, I heard about people doing it all the time, but every time I try it, I ruin the book. Splash water on it, I get get it wet, turning the pages. I've even dropped some in. Why are you so determined to read literature while taking a bath? Well, it's just, it's just nothing feels better than sitting in that tub. But it just gets so dull looking at your toes the whole time. <clears throat> what? Why don't you get a music stand? Like the kind orchestra fella uses, or the choir master. Well, that's an idea. You put your book on that, right next to the tub. 
keep a towel near so you can uh, you can dry your fingers, you know, before you turn the pages. First thing I'm gonna do when I get back is I'm gonna go get me one of those stands. <laughs> Mr. Bruder, couldn't have thought of that solution. Good night, old oh, man. Good night. <laughs> you shouldn't have shot those Mexicans. You hear me, Bruder? It was wrong. Go to sleep, old timer. One of them was wearing a crucifix. Then Jesus should have helped him. You shouldn't call for the Lord's attention right now. I'm not overly concerned. Quiet. We need to sleep every minute we can. Situation's bad enough already. Well, he was wrong to Deputy. do it. Deputy. Yes, sir. Save your bullets. They're beyond. I don't understand how they got them all. Saucy would never allow some greaser on her back. You trained her in bigotry? She's smart and she's loyal. John. Looks like she resisted. Coming. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that, those clips. I uh, Again, once you watch the movie, or if you've seen it already, it, hopefully it'll bring back some, those were some of my favorite scenes in there, and it brings back some enjoyment for you. So now let's get to basically uh, get back into The Revenant. So there is sort of a lot of stuff that happens, but I pretty much it's it's Leo DiCaprio kind of avoiding Indians. He eventually kind of like, crawls and drags himself around he is slowly he's getting better uh, he's getting to where he can is healing up a little bit and he can move around better we cut back in between him between bridger and fitzgerald who are trying to get back to the fort and then we also cut in between uh 
the men that are with Captain Henry when he left and took the rest of the men with him. Eventually, they those guys eventually make it back to the fort, the, the Captain Henry and his men. And eventually, uh, Tom Hardy, what's his character's name again? Uh, Fitzgerald and uh, Bridger, eventually they make it back to the fort. When they get back to the fort, they tell Captain Henry, or I guess I should say Fitzgerald, tells Captain Henry, oh, you know, we, we stayed and we did this and we gave him a proper burial. And, you know, it was, uh, I got to give all credit to Bridger here because he wanted to, ma- he made sure we stayed extra and made sure that everything was done right and this, that, and the other thing. And, of course, Bridger is just kind of shell-shocked. And uh, they say, we don't know what happened to Hawk. We think probably Indians got him, but, you know, we we lost him out there. We don't know what happened. The captain says, okay, well, thanks for doing that. And basically he goes up and pays off, gives uh, Fitzgerald like the $200 that he's supposed to get. And then he's like to Bridger, he's like, I know, you know, you said you're going to give him your share and that you guys are still doing your agreement. You agree to do that. But I'm going to, I want to give you something. And Bridger just gets up and walks out. And then what Fitzgerald tells that Captain Henry is, ah, he's all tore up about this. You know, he was close to those guys and, and, uh, and uh, he feels it's like his fault, this, that, and the other thing. So eventually what happens is the uh, the canteen that Leo had, he kind of loses it. And then uh, another, uh, uh, another kind of trapping company who's French, they get his canteen because he, he, Leo eventually gets to their, finds their camp. And it turns out that the, that the, oh, it's funny. There's so much stuff that's, that kind of goes on with this too. Originally I talked about that, that the, the war party that's out is looking for the chief's daughter or the war chief's daughter. And they, they trade with this French company and they had given, when they originally made the raid on Leo's camp, we'll call it or captain Henry's camp. And they took what was left of the furs and stuff they gave them to the French company and said, we'll trade you these for horses because we need horses to, you know, track down these people that have my daughter. And it turns out that the, that the French guy, that the guy that's running the French company out there, actually, he's the one that took the daughter. Of course, the Indian, the war party doesn't know this. And eventually Leo uh, just kind of through happenstance or because they're kind of all around in that same area he comes across their camp. He, at this point, is getting along a little bit better. It's been a few days. He's going to go in there to steal a horse uh, so that he can get back to the fort and, and, and find Fitzgerald. The leader of the French company is kind of out by where the horses are hobbled, sort of away from the camp a little bit, and he's raping the the daughter. And I forget her name. It's, uh, but anyway, he's raping her. And then Leo comes up behind him, puts a gun to his head and says, you know, be quiet. And, and basically he lets, he gets the daughter to go. She leaves and then he gets the horse. And of course they, he's kind of discovered. And so they kind of chase after him. He shoots a couple of those guys. And, and during that, he drops his canteen there. Well, later on in the movie, one of the guys from that camp who I'm not exactly sure what happened, um, but he ends up going back to Captain Henry's fort. 
uh, just sort of stumbles in and says, oh, I need food, I need this, I need that. And what happens is they find that canteen. The The guy is saying, that they're, when they're at the thing, they're saying, well, what do you got to trade for food? And he's like, oh, I have these few silver pieces. I have this canteen. I have you know this stuff that I can give you if you can just give me food. Bridger recognizes that canteen. He's like, where did you get that? That's my canteen. I left that with glass. And then at that point, uh, they know, they think then that glass is alive or maybe at least Hawk is alive or something like that. And then the captain is mad because he, what he thinks is that Bridger has, that Bridger left him to die and that they didn't do what they said, which in part was true. Um, but Bridger saying, no, you know, I, um, we had to leave. We had to leave. You know, Fitzgerald said that there were Indians and they were going to come. We had to go or we would have all would have died. And he's like, he doesn't believe him. He's like, no, you just left him. He said, like, you know, basically throw him in, you know, throw him in the, put him under guard. At this point, they go out. They go out searching for Leo DiCaprio. He takes, the Captain Henry takes a bunch of men. They go out on horseback. They eventually find him. They bring him back to the fort. At this point, they start to patch up DiCaprio. And, uh, of course, while Henry, Captain Henry was gone, Fitzgerald goes up, robs the safe gets all the money and he heads out. He leaves. Uh, once they bring DiCaprio back, Captain Henry or glass, I should say Captain Henry goes looking for Fitzgerald because he's, uh, and, and he gets the story basically from DiCaprio and DiCaprio says, no, he was telling the truth. He wanted to stay, but, uh, Fitzgerald tricked him. And he also stabbed and killed my boy. So now that they know, they know Hawk's dead. And so then what happens is, and I'm not sure why they don't take more men with him, but it's just going to be him and Glass. So Captain Henry and Glass are going to go out. They're going to get after Fitzgerald. They are tracking him because it's deep snow. So they can, they, Leo can, uh, DiCaprio or uh, Glass says, no, this is his horse and this is where he's going. And he can't be more than, you know, maybe, a day or so ahead of us. And with weather being what it is, he's not going to be able to go too far ahead of us. So we're not really that far behind. Um, They go up way up into the mountains and Fitzgerald is going to try and head off toward Texas with the money that he's stolen. DiCaprio and, or uh, I should say glass and captain Henry, they split up and he said, okay, well you go around this way to the East. I'll go around this way to the West and we'll see if we can't, maybe flank them. And if not, we'll just come back and meet up here as they've split up. Uh, Fitzgerald, I blanked on his name, excuse me. Fitzgerald sees, uh, the captain and he comes, he's around, around a, a bluff and he comes out and he's got the drop on him. And he says, and the captain Henry is like, I'm going to take you back and you're going to be tried for basically murder of the boy and for leaving, uh, leaving Fitzgerald and also from stealing for us. And then, Captain Henry tries to sneak his pistol out and they shoot at each other. And of course, Captain Henry doesn't make it. He gets, end up getting killed. Fitzgerald runs off. Glass comes around. He finds Captain Henry's body. And then what he does is something very clever. He goes down and he, he takes a stick and he changes clothes with Captain Henry and he dresses Captain Henry's dead body in his furs and stuff that he was wearing and then he uses the stick, this big branch, he ties him onto the thing. 
And then he has the horses going out through this open field where he know that Tom Hardy will go ahead and shoot at him. So as they're walk, as the horses are walking through, Tom Hardy's is up on up on a little bit of a ridge, and he shoots what he thinks is glass. Glass falls off his, or who he thinks is glass falls off the horse. Tom Hardy eventually comes down, and what Leo had done is he had he had propped up Captain Henry on the lead horse, and he had put himself in Captain Henry's clothes, draped over the back of the other horse. So. When Hardy comes down to make sure that that he's dead, he and Leo get in a, a little bit of a gunfight. Um, but of course, these are just muskets; they're cap and ball, so you only get one shot. Leo kind of clips him in the shoulder, clips, uh, or I should say, glass clips Fitzgerald in the shoulder. They end up kind of doing a big chase. They end up uh, at the end having a fight scene, and Fitzgerald is, you know, basically running his mouth the whole time, like, "Oh." You know, you you would have left. We'd have done the same thing. You know, we did what we had to do. Blah blah blah. DiCaprio has a, a tomahawk, and then or uh, Glass has a tomahawk. Fitzgerald has a, uh, a, a a kind of a big hunting knife, camp knife. They end up fighting it out. It's a pretty brutal fight. DiCaprio ends up getting stabbed in the hand, and then he actually um, the or uh, Glass ends up stabbed in the hand during the fight. He actually chops off like two or three of Fitzgerald's fingers. He eventually, they, they get into a fight. He eventually stabs him, and uh, uh, Glass stabs Fitzgerald. At this same time, there's a stream, and across the, uh, uh, a pretty, uh, more of a, a big wide creek bed, I guess. And across this, you see that Indian, that war party has is coming back, and they've actually got the daughter with them. They found the daughter. At this point, uh, Glass is getting ready to kill Fitzgerald and Fitzgerald says, yeah, you go on, you have your revenge, but whatever you do is not going to, is not going to bring your boy back. He's still going to be dead. And then, so what the cap, what the glass does is he sees the Indians and then he puts him in the stream and floats him down to where, uh, the war party is and you don't see it, but you just hear, Fitzgerald screams. They, I guess, kill him or whatever they're going to do. And then as they come by, they see Leo DiCaprio as they're, as the uh, war party is coming by. And then you see the daughter. She's on horseback and she looks at him. So basically the reason that he's going to live is because um, he helped, he let the daughter go. He didn't necessarily rescue her. She was just sort of, it, it wasn't like that was his main objective. It was just, she was there, so it was kind of her luck. It was like, well, good luck to you, you know, because you're you're going to benefit from my actions. And that's pretty much how the movie ends. They go by. Now, I will say this is that they are, if we look at like all these parties, you've got like Captain Henry's party, you've got the French party, you've got the Indian, the war party. These guys are all brutal, murderous guys. And if they catch you sort of out on your own, they'll just kill you. And there, at the one point, you you would say, well, why wouldn't Leo go to when he sees the French party? Why wouldn't he go to them? But they're basically on rival sides, and I think they probably would have just killed him. I don't think they would have helped him. Uh, the The movie ends, and you see Leo's kind of on his knees, and he's panting, and that's it, it. Sort of fades out on his face, and that's the end of it. So, again, the same with Bone Tomahawk. A, a lot of this is just sort of the 
the destination is is not as important as sort of the journey of, of how they're getting there. But I would definitely say watch The Revenant if you get a chance. If you can, see it in the theaters. Uh, it's long, but it doesn't seem that it's that long. At least it didn't to me. It's, it's had a pretty good pace and everything like that. So I think I've jibber-jabbered at you guys kind of long enough. So I will talk to you next time, my monkeys. <laughs>